We have an anchor that keeps the soul steady. The Anchor of the Soul with Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ in Olive Branch, Mississippi. Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. And now, Mike Hickson. As we launch out into 2021, and I have no doubt that there are, th there are some things that you have charted on your calendar to accomplish in the coming year. There are some resolutions, some items that you'd like to check off your list. What I want to encourage you to think about this morning, you know, sometimes we talk about our goals physically, materially, monetarily, professionally, academically. I want to give you a spiritual goal. In the coming year, 2021, I want to encourage you to reach out to the best of your ability, identify one in 21. And the idea is that you identify one person that you want to share the gospel with and bring them to Christ. It might be a friend. Maybe it's a family member, a co-worker classmate, a neighbor, somebody that you visit with regularly, whether it be the drugstore, the grocery store, wherever, whomever. One in 21. I would imagine that all of us know at least one person that we could write their name down, pray about, begin sowing seed, so that that individual, at the conclusion of this year, is a member of the body of Christ. Really not a difficult goal. It'll never happen if we don't make it happen. So what I want to encourage you, now listen, don't stop with just one, but to begin, identify one person that you want to make a difference in their life. And I promise you, you can make a difference in their life. What I want to do this morning is, first of all, examine the text. As we make an examination of the text, we're going to look at Jesus' encounter with a man by the name of Zacchaeus. And then we're going to look at the application. So as you think about that one person that you want to impact for good over the course of the next year, Let's look at what is recorded for us in Luke chapter 19. When you begin looking at this text, there are certain things that just leap off the page. First and foremost, let's talk about what Jesus saw in Zacchaeus. What was it that Jesus saw in this man identified as a rich tax collector, chief among the tax collectors? What was it that he saw in him? Could I suggest, number one, he saw a man who desired to see him. Jesus is passing through Jericho. Now, Jericho takes us all the way back, you remember, to the book of Joshua. When the children of Israel took the city under the command of General Joshua, Jericho being one of the oldest 
inhabited cities of the world. Distance-wise, it was about 15 to 17 miles outside of Jerusalem. So, this man hears that Jesus is going to be passing through town. He has a strong desire to see the Lord, but the flip side of it is, he had some difficulty in seeing Him because of His stature. He was a short man. Nothing wrong with being short, but He was creative. So let's just ask this question. If the Lord Jesus were passing through town today, let's just say that you heard, Jesus is coming to town. Would you want to see Him? Would you make every effort to catch a glimpse of the one identified as the eternal Word in John chapter 1? Would you not want to be in the presence of the one who spoke the wonderful words of life, the words of eternal life, as Peter said in John chapter 6? I mean, wouldn't you want to catch a glimpse of this man? So look at the text. Luke said, Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So I think about Jesus saw in Zacchaeus a seeker. In other words, he saw somebody interested in him. There's something to be said for people who are seeking the Lord. There are people around us today, I promise you. There are people who are seeking the truth. We have the opportunity, the ability to function as Philip did in the long ago, as a guide, don't we? So here's a guy who's a seeker. Jesus saw in him one who was seeking him. But there's another thought. Not only did Jesus see Zacchaeus as a seeker, but he saw Zacchaeus as a soul. Behind every face. And I understand, typically we don't think like this. I'm not saying we shouldn't. But we fail to understand and maybe recognize that behind every set of eyes is a human soul. That soul will live forever one day in either heaven or hell. We have the opportunity to share with them the, God, the saving power of the gospel of Christ so that they might be liberated from sin. You remember Jesus said, you shall know the truth, the truth shall make you free. There are a lot of people in our world today, they are caught up in spiritual bondage. They're looking for liberty. The problem is they're looking in all the wrong places. And yet Jesus saw in Zacchaeus a soul. Now there are two thoughts concerning the Lord here. Number one, Jesus was interested in Zacchaeus, wasn't he? You remember the text says that Zacchaeus climbs up into a sycamore tree so that he might catch a glimpse of the Son of God. Now look at what Luke says regarding our Lord making His way through the city of Jericho. Verse 5. When Jesus came to the place and looked up and saw Him, 
and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste. Come down. Today I must stay at your house. Now I don't know how many people were present as Jesus made his way through Jericho. But I suspect amidst this large group of people, Zacchaeus, because of his stature, unable to catch a glimpse of the Lord, climbs up into a sycamore tree so that he might just get, catch a glimpse of the very Son of God. And Jesus took the time to pause and to look up into that tree and to say to Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. In other words, hurry. Come down out of the tree. The Lord was willing to spend some time with this man one-on-one in his home. He was interested in him. Not only was Jesus interested in Zacchaeus, he was willing to invest in Zacchaeus. I mean, here's the Son of God. He's got, what, three, three and a half years to accomplish his ministry? His work on earth is coming to a close, and yet he takes the time to invest in the soul of Zacchaeus. Spend time with him. If you want to reach people around you, number one, you're going to have to be interested in their soul. You're going to have to show some compassion and concern for them. Secondly, you're going to have to be willing to invest some time in them. Conversions typically do not occur overnight, do they? You're going to have to invest in developing a relationship with that person, aren't you? Get to know them. Talk to them. Ask them questions. So here's the Lord Jesus, and we look at what Jesus saw, but then what Jesus said to Zacchaeus. First, there's an invitation. Secondly, there is what I would call salvation. In verse 6, Jesus has already said, Zacchaeus, make haste or hurry. Come down, for today I must stay at your house. Luke said that he made haste, came down and received him joyfully. Number one, there was a joyful reception by this man, wasn't there? You know, James said one time, you have not because you ask not. It might be the case that there are people who are interested in salvation. They're interested in spiritual things. They have a desire to learn and to grow, but we never take the time to talk to them, to speak to them. They would, receptive, they would be receptive to the message that we have to share, but we never make an offer. So on the one hand, you have this joyful reception. The flip side, however, is you have a jaded reaction by the people of that day. Because there were some who said, this man goes to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Let's just put that on pause for a minute. Doesn't Jesus say in Luke 19, verse 10, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost? Why do you think Jesus took the time to go into the home of Zacchaeus and talk to him? Because that was the very heart of his mission, wasn't it? I mean, you think about 
There was an invitation on the one hand, but there's salvation on the other hand. Because you have the message of Christ and the mission of Christ. And Jesus is very succinct in summing up His mission. What is that mission? I've come to seek and to save the lost. Zacchaeus is a seeker. And more importantly, Zacchaeus is a soul. A soul that is worth my time. Worth showing some interest in. Worth investing in. Are there people that you know that you could show some interest in and invest in their lives? Let me tell you what, the greatest thing that you will ever do for a friend, a family member, a co-worker, a classmate, a neighbor, whomever, the greatest thing that you will ever do for another human being is to share with them the saving truth of the gospel. Do you believe that? That's it. So many times in life, we're so focused on the world around us and what's going on, we lose sight of what we're supposed to be doing. Our goal, our job is the same as Jesus. We're here to seek and save the lost, aren't we? I mean, aren't we supposed to be about trying to reach out to people? Now you think about the Lord Jesus as He made His way into the home of Zacchaeus. Listen to what Zacchaeus said to Jesus. He said, look, Lord, I give half my goods to the poor. If I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, he said, I restore fourfold. Zacchaeus was quite a fellow. Talks about his generosity, his willingness to make restitution for any wrongdoing on his part, which again, I think, says something about his character. Look at this text. And you see what Jesus saw in him and what he said to him. So here's my question now. What's the application of this text? How would this apply to me? How does it apply to you? Scripture is intended to be internalized and applied to life, isn't it? I mean, the goal that we have is to let Christ's Word dwell in us richly, and then live it out every single day. So I want you to think for a minute or two about somebody. Identify in your mind right now one person that you want to make a difference in their life. It might be your mom, your dad. It might be your grandparents. It might be a husband. It might be a wife. It could be a child could be grandchildren, could be the person that you work with every day, maybe somebody you eat lunch with frequently, could be a neighbor. You identify that one person. The goal is to bring that person to the Lord. What's that going to entail? I'll just share with you some steps that I think will help us accomplish this goal. Number one, I think we've got to seek out those who are lost and dying in sin. There are a lot of people that we come in contact with every single day. We do business with them. We buy and trade with them. We talk to them on our cell phone. We visit with them from time to time. There are people that we're around every single day. What we've got to do is seek out 
those who are lost and dying in sin. You don't have to look far. Look at the life of Jesus. You know, there were occasions when Jesus spent time talking to the multitudes. But then there were other occasions when Jesus was one-on-one. Let me tell you what, He was effective one-on-one, wasn't He? You remember, for example, in John chapter 4, Jesus took the time to sit down, number one, with a woman from Samaria. And John said in John chapter 4, the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Strike number one. And then, this is a woman. Strike number two. And yet, Jesus took the time to sit down with this woman. And you think about, here's a woman that's been married five times. She's living with a man. And yet, Jesus saw something in her, didn't He? How often do we write people off before we ever give them the opportunity to hear the gospel? I mean, don't you think we do that from time to time? We see people, we know people, and because of their lifestyle, where they are, what they're doing, we automatically say, you know what, they wouldn't be interested. If the apostles had taken that that kind of thinking in their work for Christ, the church would never have gotten off the ground. But what do you see when you look at the apostles? You see men that were intent on spreading the truth of the gospel, not just the apostles, but the disciples at large. You remember Acts chapter 8, that great persecution swept the early church? The Bible says that those who were scattered abroad went everywhere doing what? Preaching the word. Why was that? They were interested in the souls of people. So here's Jesus sitting down at Jacob's well talking to a woman that had a scarred past. This very same woman became a tremendous soul winner for the Lord, didn't she? Didn't she go back home and say, come see a man that's told me everything I've ever done? Zacchaeus, one man. And yet Jesus was willing to spend some time with this man that was looked down upon. I can just imagine the religious upper crust looking down their nose at Zacchaeus. Who do you think you are? And at Jesus... You remember when Jesus went into the home of Matthew, who became one of the apostles? The religious leaders wanted to know, why does your disciple, why does he eat with sinners? Jesus said, you know what? Those who are well have no need of a physician, but they that are sick. So number one, we've got to seek out the lost. Number two, we've got to see the lost. But you'll see something again. Look at Luke 5, or rather Luke 19 in verse 5. The Bible says, when Jesus came to the place, He looked up and saw Him. I don't know how many people you come in contact with on a daily basis. No doubt some of you come in contact with much larger numbers than some of us. But you're interacting with a wide array of people on a daily basis. As I said a minute ago, behind every set of eyes is a soul. So when you look around you and you look into the eyes of people, you need to, as Jesus did, see the soul. It's a human being made in the image and likeness of God. That person will live forever one day somewhere. You might be the very link 
to bringing that person to Christ. It might be the case that you're the only person who can make a difference in that individual. You've got the rapport. You've got the relationship that's been developed. And you can make a difference in their life. When we go about our daily activities, do we see as Jesus did? He saw the woman at the well. He saw Matthew. He saw Zacchaeus. He saw something worth redeeming. Then note this, again, verse 5. When Jesus came to the place, He looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at your house. I think about Jesus stopping in the middle of what He's doing and looking up into that sycamore tree, identifying Zacchaeus and saying, Zacchaeus, come down. I know we're busy. And I know we've got things going on and we're caught up in the hustle and bustle of life and we've got this going on and that going on and we're running from place to place and we're never, we're never ever on pause. Could I encourage us in the midst of a busy, busy world to stop, to look around, to think about there's somebody that needs, they need Christ. They need the gospel. And maybe if I don't say anything, nobody else will. To recognize that that person has the greatest need known to man, that is, the saving power of the gospel of Christ. Think about, think about Zacchaeus for a minute. Here's Jesus taking the time to deal with what I would call a social outcast in many respects. And yet, Here's the Lord going about His business. What's that business? Seeking and saving the lost. What about us? You ever just stop and look around and think about all these people that you're coming in contact with? You ever thought you could make a difference in that person's life? In chapter 18, we read about Jesus coming in contact with a blind man. And you remember the text tells us that this man cried out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And the text says in chapter 18, I want you to see something. Back in chapter 18, those who were around this man said, Be quiet. And yet he cried out all the more, verse 39, Son of David, have mercy on me. Look at verse 40. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be brought to him. Now, wait a minute. We're talking about Jesus here. He's a busy man. He's got things to do, people to see. And yet Jesus stopped in the midst of what he was doing and asked this man, what can I do for you? Sometimes we need to hit that, ball, that pause button and stop and see. But then there's a final thing. It's not enough to seek those who are lost, to see the lost, to stop amidst the lost, but we must speak to the lost. Jesus took the time to have dialogue with this man. He said, look, salvation has come to your house today. Jesus would say, down in verse 18, look at him. I say verse 18. Look back again at chapter 19. 
Verse 9, Jesus said today, salvation has come to your house because he's also a son of Abraham. Son of man has come to seek and to save the lost. Jesus took the time to talk to this man, to teach this man. I like what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and about verse 13. Paul said, we believe. Therefore, in light of that fact, we speak. I want to ask you a question this morning, personal question. Is the faith that you possess worth sharing? If your faith is not worth sharing, you don't have much of a faith, do you? Now think about that for a minute. Jesus had something to share with this man. We ought to have something to share. But if our faith is not what it ought to be, then we don't have anything to share, do we? So we've got to be willing to speak. What was it Jesus said, the Great Commission, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations? Didn't Mark say, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature? Didn't Jesus say, it's written in the prophets, they shall all be what? Taught of God. Every man therefore that hath heard and learned of the Father comes to me. How does faith come? Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17. We've got to open our mouth and talk to people about Christ. So my question to you today, my challenge to you, will you identify one person Identify that one person in your life that you can make a difference in. And you start today, not tomorrow, not next week, not next month. You start today laying the foundation and framework to bring about a change in that individual's life. It's going to take some time. It's going to take some work and effort, but it can be done. You know how the church grew in the first century? It grew one person at a time. Church today needs people who are interested in the souls of others. We've got to be interested in our soul, but also in the souls of other people. In closing today, my challenge to each of us, let's make it, let's make it a commitment. We're going to do everything within our power over the course of the next 12 months to bring somebody to Christ. You'll save a soul from death. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your love and mercy. We're so grateful for your love for us, the willingness on your part to give your Son to die for our sins. And Father, we pray that we will commit to you to be everything that you would have us to be as your disciples, that we would, to the best of our ability, share your word with those who are lost and dying in sin. We ask you, Father, to give us a sense of urgency and love for those who are lost. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. One day we're going to stand before King Jesus. Paul said, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess to God. The question of this hour, are you a child of God? Have you obeyed the gospel? Jesus said, except you believe that I am, you'll die in your sins. And Jesus said, if you die in your sins where I am, there you cannot come. You need to be baptized into Christ.
for the forgiveness of your sins, and then God will put you in the church, Acts 2. And then the exhortation is, you need to be faithful come what may, even if it were to cost you your life. You stay faithful to God. Now one day we're going to stand before the throne. You'll be there, I'll be there, we'll be there together, won't we? Let me tell you the great fear that we ought to have. As we stand before the Lord, somebody stands up and says to us, you had the truth and you never said a word to me. That ought to frighten us. You knew the Lord, you knew His Word, you knew the blessings in Christ, and you didn't say one, not one. That person will be lost because we didn't do our job. Ought to shake us to our knees. So my question to you, can you like Paul say, I'm free from the blood of all men? You know, Ezekiel talks about being that watchman on the wall. Let's do what we can to share the message of Christ. Listen, souls depend on us and our soul is dependent on that as well. Thank you for listening to the Anchor of the Soul. Your speaker has been Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ, located at 9100 East Sandage Road in Olive Branch, Mississippi. To hear this lesson again, go to olivebranchchurchofchrist.org. Tune in next Sunday for more of the Anchor of the Soul. We have an anchor that keeps the soul Steadfast and sure while the billows roll Fastened to the rock which cannot move Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love